0: Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 279 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. The very heavy rain we've had this week has rather forced me into the honey room to start the big autumn clean-up, mostly washing up along with the final phase of my current batch of soft-set honey it's given me time to reflect on the latest infection of chronic bee paralysis virus that we've encountered. And of course, it was the bees on the heather that had it. short and sweet a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span a beekeeper in fact just like me hi everyone welcome back to the podcast what an incredibly wet week we've had i do think i've been very lucky though to escape any flooding and my thoughts are with those of you who have suffered any damage not just to your homes and gardens but your precious bees I've only ever had one disaster with flooding and that was way back when we were first allowed to place beehives at the fishing lakes. It seems such a long time ago now. We had selected a lovely little enclosed area surrounded by trees and brambles but sloping down towards the river. As the season progressed and the apiary gradually filled up with colonies from splits and collected swarms I find myself placing hives towards the lower end of the apiary. There was no reason to suspect it might at some point flood but that winter during heavy rain the river eventually breached the banks and the water got closer and closer to the hives. This one hive in particular that was most at risk and with hindsight I should have recognised the danger. In my defence this was quite a number of years ago before I had any idea of the concept of an apiary site survey. Anyway following the rain and subsequent gradual drying out period I revisited the apiary to check the hives over winter by hefting. It wasn't until I was about to leave the apiary that I realised I was missing a hive and that hive once spotted was stuck high and dry in a bramble thicket where it had floated to and become stuck. There were no signs of life in the hive so I lifted it down from the brambles and took a look inside. Unfortunately the bees had suffocated. They were mostly in the space between the crime board and the roof. I was using commercial hives mostly at this point and open mesh floors and what appears to have happened was that the flood water had risen under the hive effectively sealing the bottom off and floated it away into the bramble thicket where it had become stuck and as the water rose so the space within the hive became less and less and eventually the bees must have just run out of air and suffocated. It was a terrible mistake on my part and one that I have learnt from and have never had to deal with since. Of course we all make mistakes on our beekeeping journeys, it's how we deal with it and learn from it that counts the most. I hope that with Storm Babette easing after the weekend your bees and your families are safe and secure. Before the really bad weather arrived I had an opportunity to check in on the bees that we brought back from the heather. They have had an opportunity to forage the late ivy and it's getting to the point that the supers are due to come off. I would have probably taken them off late last week if it hadn't been for the stormy weather. A job for next week, probably. Anyway, the other reason for checking in on the heather colonies is that we suffered a very heavy dose of chronic bee paralysis virus infections within this very small cohort of our overall total number of colonies. Let me explain you will no doubt remember that I took 32 colonies to the heather moors. We had an interesting trip fetching the bees from the borage fields and taking them to the moors, and because of that, when we arrived, absolutely exhausted, we simply dropped the colonies off in the nearest position that we could find in the allocated site. Imagine, if you will, a straight stone wall running west to east colonies were left in a fairly straight line, relatively close to each other, with the entrances facing in different directions. I returned some four weeks later to remove the supers, hopefully filled with heather honey, only to find that around half of the 32 colonies were showing varying degrees of infection of chronic bee paralysis virus. So imagine the line of beehives, not quite a straight line but close enough, checking the hives from left to right or more correctly west to east. The first 15 or 16 colonies had absolutely no sign of any infection at all. I wasn't inspecting them, just taking supers off, looking at the adult bees, adding a clearer board, replacing the supers, roof and then moving on to the next hive. It's very easy to spot something amiss when you know what a healthy colony should look like so for anyone listening who's only just started beekeeping focus on what healthy bees look like and when you see something that doesn't look like that call in some help to best identify what it is you're looking at. Hive number 16 or thereabouts in this long line of 32 colonies was in a very bad way indeed the grassy area in front of the entrance had a puddle of dead and dying bees. Imagine knocking over a jar of honey and letting it run out into a large speech bubble shaped pool. Well, that's what I was looking at, only it was dead and dying honey bees, not spilt honey. Worse still was the hundreds if not thousands of bees clinging to the outside of the hive, shaking uncontrollably it wasn't a pleasant sight at all. The honeybees on the ground showed what appeared to be very obvious signs of CBPV. Black shiny bodies, no hairs on the thorax or abdomen, wings fluttering as if there was something irritating the joints between the wings and the thorax. Next to this hive, another was showing a heavy infection, the obvious puddle of bees on the ground, not quite so many bees clinging to the outside of the brood box but some nonetheless. Moving further down the line the infection was still there but becoming less obvious. Right up to the last colony in the line this hive had the Ross rounds on it and I only spotted one bee with any sign of CBPV. So how had this happened? Well first off we hadn't seen any signs of CBPV in any of the colonies when they were on the borage. At this point, I have to be man enough to own up to the fact that we had a couple of colonies robbed out at the borage and I had put this down to them being smaller colonies unable to protect themselves against wasps. I may have been badly wrong. It may have been chronic bee paralysis virus and I've allowed it to spread. I don't know that for certain but it seems a likely source of the infection. So how did one colony with CBPV spread to all of these others while they were on the heather moors? Here's what I think has happened. One or two colonies have either had CBPV hiding away in their colony prior to bringing them from the borage or they may have picked it up from robbing out an infected colony. Either way the heaviest infection started at around position 16 or 17 on the heather. The prevailing wind was from west to east or left to right, if that helps you visualise it. The bees returning to colonies after foraging may have been blown off course and drifted to the east or to the right, gradually moving the infection along the line of beehives all the way down to the final Ross Rounds colony. I removed the supers and returned them to base for extraction and returned back to the heather to collect the colonies a few weeks later. These were marked up with CBPV on the roofs to identify them and returned to an isolation apiary here in Norwich. Last week I ventured out to check up on them with, I have to say, some concern that I might find most of them dead well, what I found was quite remarkable when all things are considered. In previous encounters with chronic bee paralysis virus, I've always found large puddles of bees on the floor. Worse still is the large pile of dead bees that build up inside the brood box when workers are unable to drag the dead and dying bees out of the hive. And the technoset hives are problematic when it comes to removal of dead bees in that most have very small gaps within the entrances for the bees to get in and out. So I was anticipating the possibility of some colonies being so badly infected that they would have so many dead bees at the entrance that they wouldn't be able to clear them and eventually suffocate. Well what I found has been quite remarkable. Each colony that had shown signs of infection was checked mainly to see if the super full of honey should come off, but also to see how many infected bees there were. I also wanted to lift the brood box off the floor and clean out any dead bees within the hives and get them into a bin bag for destruction. One by one I checked each of the infected hives. I should say that firstly I checked all of the apparently healthy colonies for signs of disease it's a sensible thing to do. If you think you have a disease issue, don't start with the colony you know to be infected and then move to the uninfected ones. All you'll succeed in doing is moving the disease potentially from infected to uninfected hides. So start the other way round. Uninfected to infected colonies. Anyway, all of the apparently healthy colonies still appeared to be unaffected and remained healthy. Good news. Better news still was to follow. I started checking previously infected colonies, working my way from the least infected to the worst. Remarkably, of the 16 colonies that had shown signs of infection, only four now have any bees on the floor outside the hive, and had just a few symptomatic bees within the hive. At one point, I thought I really must have been mistaken when I was on the moors. It seems almost unbelievable to think that the disease could have cleared itself up so thoroughly. Each one of the infected hives had the brood box removed from the floor as I looked to clean dead bees away and give the colonies a chance of some fresh air blowing through the open mesh style floors. Each time I looked at a floor, I became more and more puzzled, as every floor was spotlessly clean and free of any dead bees. Thinking back to the heather moors and the weather conditions up there, I'm told by the head gamekeeper that there were days when it was warm and sunny, but other days when they had thick fog and the bees were stuck in cold, damp conditions. Lots of colonies were very busy dragging out drones, both adult drones and larvae, so maybe, just maybe, the bees we have are very hygienic and were very prompt at getting infected bees out of the hive. Add to this, I believe the main transmission route of the virus is drones, we may have got lucky in that drones were being kicked out because of the time of year, and that may have impacted on the wider spread of the disease, while also reducing the colony size. Other colonies not wanting those drones to go into their hives at this time of the year, so they may have blocked the entrance to them infected bees that found themselves outside the hive could well have died outside the hive rather than inside and that could explain why i found no dead bees whatsoever inside any of the colonies now that they're back home now this disease hasn't completely gone away i did find evidence of it in small amounts in the previously worst affected colonies yet i'm absolutely amazed that the infection is currently so light I will check on the colonies one more time as we still have to get the honey off them. This will be the ivy and heather mix. It will have to be cut out and melted out anyway as it's got ivy in it and then the frames will be boiled up and fresh foundation added so there'll be no transmission risk with the honey or the frames. Regarding the CBPV outcome, I will wait until late winter. Then we'll make a decision on what to do. My personal policy is one of destruction. I really don't want these colonies infecting any other colonies, but if they've shaken off the disease and there are no signs of it in any of the colonies, we'll look to keep them isolated away from other colonies and see how things develop. The decision will need to be made just as drones are beginning to emerge, and it's my belief that the drones in spring are the likeliest vectors of the disease colonies will need to be destroyed prior to drones taking to the wing or they'll end up in other healthy colonies as they drift around looking for virgin queens to mate with. Hopefully the weather will be better next week and I can get the supers off and make one last check on the bees in the brood nest area and that will give me a baseline to work with. Before I go this week a couple of updates well an update and a notice really. First up the soft set honey that I produced last week has been really struggling to set and I know that it's an issue that quite a number of beekeepers have had. My email inbox is testament to that With so many beekeepers doing slightly different things with their soft set honey, with different equipment and varied types of honey being used, it's always going to be a variable time frame in getting that honey to granulate and set. For the honey I've been using this week, I think it's had a high proportion of our early season honey, which you might have thought would be mainly oilseed rape and therefore easily able to set quickly. But actually, what I think I found is that quite a bit of it has been vetch honey with a fair amount of hawthorn too and I think these must both have high fructose in them and as such are taking longer to set than a high glucose honey such as oilseed rape. As usual with beekeeping it's all about being patient The other thing I wanted to mention is really about next week's podcast. I'm excited and a little bit nervous, I have to say, because I'm going to try another interview podcast. I'm really not the greatest interviewer, but I'm going to give it my best shot once more. I'm catching up with some of the team from Bees Abroad. Bees Abroad help beekeepers, well, uh, abroad, that's about the limit of my knowledge of them at the moment you'll have to listen in next weekend to find out more details about them and I'm off now to start a little research about them so I don't make a fool of myself something I did just see on their website is that they have a double donation event coming up and they're also doing something called beehive twinning so I already have a couple of questions for them well that's it for this week don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates tips and techniques it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward Norfolk Honey and remember I'm Stuart Spinks and that was beekeeping short and sweet.